Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today as part of the Harvard Education Press author series, we're here to talk to Sister Kathleen Ross, author of the book, Breakthrough Strategies, Classroom-Based Practices to Support New Majority College Students. Sister Kathleen, welcome to the EdCast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So, Sister Kathleen, to kind of start things off with defining a term, uh, many of our audience may not know what you specifically mean by the term the new majority and how that sort of relates to college students. Do you mind kind of framing things with who the new majority are? Uh, What I'm referring to is a demographic shift that is underway, and uh, I figure uh, very shortly is in effect, so I thought I could refer to uh, that group of students as new majority. Um, What I'm referring to is the uh, growth of the percentage of new college students who come from families where no one has earned a college degree before. Uh, it's interesting, people will say to me, oh, well, that doesn't make sense because everybody who has college degrees, they try to send their kids to school. And I have a simple answer, and that is just ask yourself, who has been having kids, lots of kids, in the last 20 or 25 years? And if you think about that, it's mostly newer immigrants and lower-income people who have not had the opportunity to have a college education. And consequently, those are the larger numbers that are uh, inevitably going to be at college age level. And so we hope that they're also the ones who will be Uh, enrolling in college and ones we need to focus on for their success. So the new majority students, the sort of first generation students, they they enter college and they're they're sort of meeting a new set of environmental components and and there's all sorts of different challenges. Do you mind sharing a couple of of the ways in which uh, a, a new college student, a new majority first time college student is sort of experiencing college in a different way than someone whose parents went to college. Um, Yes, and that's really the heart of the research uh, that uh, I uncovered and that that is in this book. What are those differences? A, A short way to say that is the difference between the culture of academia and the home culture of the students. Uh, Let me give you an example. Uh, One day I was walking across campus, and a student was uh, coming from another building, and I I always try to be friendly with the students, and I said, how's it going? And she said, oh, I just got out of the hardest class, and I, 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 I don't think I'm going to pass it, and I feel so bad. So I said, well, uh, are you reading your lessons that are assigned for every, every, oh, yes, I do a lot of the homework, she said. I said, well, then are you asking your professor uh, questions? Uh, And she didn't respond. She just kind of looked down. So I repeated the question, and, and she said, you mean ask the professor questions like during class or, or after, after class? I said, yeah, that, that gives you a chance to ask whatever it is that's, that's puzzling you that you're not getting. She said, oh, my parents taught me 
don't ever ask questions in front of other people or from people more important than you are because you'll just look stupid. I was just stunned because I grew up in a home where my parents did go to college, and I remember my father praising us when we mentioned some question that we had asked our teacher that was a pretty smart question. So it was a totally different setting for this student, thinking she wasn't supposed to ask questions. She was supposed to, and I asked other students. They all said the same thing from similar backgrounds. They said, we're supposed to learn from watching. And seeing what happens, we're not supposed to ask questions. That's not nice. What a fascinating example. And, and what I love about your book is that it, it, it's research based in experiences that you've had over your decades in, in, in higher education. And it also provides what is, what is really important in terms of practical strategies. So you mentioned asking questions in class and making sure that that's a normal uh, sort of process for students. But what are some of the other strategies? And I think people would probably be interested how you kind of came about this research, where you did the research, and uh, what type of project it was. Well, the research started uh, with uh, after I um, stopped being the president and got to uh, just be a professor, which has been wonderful. Uh, and I decided uh, through a grant that I was uh, able to obtain to uh, get several uh, students who could serve as research assistants to try to find out uh, more about what would make students successful. Because uh, while um, it's wonderful that there are all these new majority students coming to university, the fact of the matter is that if you look up the percentages of those students who are earning degrees, it's much lower than people coming from um, uh, continuing generation uh, families. So knowing that that was uh, a reality, I thought maybe students uh, could work with me to design some research. And what they suggested is, well, let's just ask other students what helps them. Let's take the positive approach. So we worked together on questions, and then the students went out and did um, interviews and anonymous interviews, a student talking to a student, asking questions like, well, who is a professor who's done something really outstanding to help you succeed? Or what, the, what is um, a particular uh, time you remember in a class that helped you suddenly see you could be successful? As a result of those inter interviews, uh, as you might expect, uh, <clears throat> a few, uh, maybe uh, 15 names or so of faculty kept reoccurring. So the next step was going to interview those faculty individually in great detail. I told them, please give me an hour and a half, <laughs> even though the, what the student had, uh, students had mentioned might be a simple uh, approach. And what I discovered then in talking to the, the faculty was that many of them had evolved certain practices and approaches that uh, resulted from being sensitive to the students who were uh, not not doing very well. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I know I, I repeated back to one of the faculty, I believe he is a mathematics and uh, physics science uh, faculty member, I repeated back <clears throat> the strategy he was using and he said, 
gosh, I didn't really recognize that as a strategy. It was just something I did because I needed to figure out how, where the students were and how to relate to them. So that's uh, where all the research came from uh, as a result of more than 100 interviews and analysis of those and then faculty interviews. Uh, we came up with a <clears throat> list of strategies that were first put into uh, small three to four minute videos that are available free of charge on the website for Heritage University. They're at heritageuniversity.edu slash institute. Um, so they're easy to find. So from there, um, it turned into a book. Yeah, what a what a journey, and and I loved how you incorporated uh, all sorts of uh, people within the community in the research finding and and gathering. It was the uh, students, uh, the faculty, yourself, and then uh, making sure that the conversation happened. It reminds me of just the a rising tide lifts all boats and lifts all ships. A little bit more about who this book, who you wrote this book for. Obviously, these strategies can apply to, to anyone, uh, certainly parents and educators at the higher education level, but I feel like these are almost truly universal strategies as well. Well, that's nice to hear you say that, Matt. Um, I, I was thinking while I was writing the book, um, primarily of faculty that were not in the field of education. I think people who um, have their degrees in uh, education um, have already been forced to think about some of these ideas, although I, I hope they would benefit from this. But I'm more interested in the faculty who, for instance, uh, is a, a wonderful faculty in social work. It does a great job of preparing students for graduate work and uh, <clears throat> for uh, success in the field. and is never going to go to a workshop put on by the education department on how you should teach students because their field is social work. Or I could say the same thing about um, environmental studies or computer science or French or whatever. Uh, so I'm trying, I'm trying when I'm writing the book to think what would be interesting enough to someone who isn't in the education field yet is doing uh, instruction and interaction with students? Um, we're all in, you know, from what we watch on TV <clears throat> all the time, we're all interested in um, learning more about how people think and how they're going about doing things. So it, it's very um I hope most of it very conversational with faculty. And last question, sister, and thanks again for sharing these these strategies and time on the EdCast. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that um, someone can read this book, a faculty member in the fields that you described, and they may think that some things are sort of taken for granted, you know, to ask questions in class, navigating the syllabus, understanding the sort of ideas about academic identity or academic integrity. Um, what is your sort of final closing thoughts, if you could speak directly to those faculty members, as a summation of a lot of the work, the thesis of your book, and as a sort of teaser for why they should maybe, you know, go and seek out your book? Uh, maybe uh, what I would use as a, as a teaser is there is an underlying concept that's pretty fascinating that uh, applies in most of these circumstances, and it's called 
communication mismatch or what I like to call a meaning mismatch, which simply means that something that you do in communicating with others, uh, it could be the words that you use, it could be uh, your nonverbal communication, uh, it could even be um, the things like how you use space between people, so forth, has a different meaning to you than to someone else, but you don't know that. And the other person doesn't know that you intended something different about that. So there is a chapter in there that describes that, and actually that's a very helpful um, uh, worldview to take just surviving day by day successfully in our world when we're interacting with so many people who come from so many different environments than we do. So I, I would hope that uh, lots of people would be interested in reading about that and then uh, sharing in the stories that are contained in the book. Strategies applicable inside and certainly outside the classroom as we engage in a in a society that certainly needs civility. Sister Kathleen Ross is the MacArthur Fellow and President Emerita of Heritage University and author of Breakthrough Strategies, Classroom-Based Practices to Support New Majority College Students, available at hepg.org. Sister Kathleen Ross, thanks so much for being on the EdCast. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to talk with you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.